Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Cinemax podcast. Uh, I'm not even going to really run with the same intro anymore because I usually say the show where we take two different movies every week, but that <laughs> seems to be changing every week now. We're trying we different take, stuff. We just take movies. Yeah, and we take movies fair, until... I was looking at the Instagram page and I edited the bio because it was like two movies. I'm like, no, it's not two movies, it's movies. Yeah, it's every movie. We take yeah, every movie, eventually. Eventually. Uh, but yeah, um, we obviously take different movies every week and we usually find different ways to rate them and rank them, which we will be putting a spin on today. Um, yeah, my name is Cal Altimus. I'm sticking with Cal and I am your host. And joining me as he does every single week is my lovely co-host. Compliment I'm this, this time. I might, I might rotate it each week. One week I might be nice and the next I might be horrible just to balance things out. Just on my toes. Yeah. But yeah, joining me is my co-host, Mr. Nathan Hanna. Nathan, how are you? All good. How are you? Tired. Very busy Tired. weekend. Very busy weekend. Watch, Best weekend watch, of my life, to be fair. Watching the wrestling and then straight into Is it Heather's the musical you watched? Heather's, yeah. Yeah, it was one <laughs> extreme to the other. It was watching wrestling in Wembley Stadium is trying to 80,000 people where I watched a man get uh, wooden skewers smacked into the scalp of his head. And then yesterday I was watching a musical in Nottingham. <laughs> but it was good. Uh, yeah, very I good. I can't say my week's been exciting, but since we last did this recording, a new Star Wars show has started. So that's all I need in my life. Yeah. Are you up to date on that? Because I've not actually watched a single episode yet. I've not watched today's episode because mm. of work, which, why? But... <laughs> I did watch the first two straight as soon as I woke up last week. And phenomenal. There's my first one. Do you know, actually, I say there's my first one. I said that last week that I was going to save it. Didn't say phenomenal all episode. That's it. You have to catch up this week. Just yeah. Stick as many in as possible. Um, <laughs> before we actually get started, then, I wanted to quickly ask about Ahsoka because I'm just curious because I've never watched any of the Rebel stuff. Do you need to? I think it's probably the least accessible, but it's the most watched. So I don't understand. Like Disney announced it was the most watched Disney showing a long while so maybe it is accessible but like for me watching the first episode is like surely you need to know about this and surely you need to know about that but it's still really good i think you just need a little bit of cursory knowledge beforehand it's too, it's got a lot of samurai influence definitely so i just need to read up on some shit before i get started then I'll your video like an eight minute catch-up video it's fine Sound, that'll do me i'll just, um, just spend five minutes on shift with me and i'll you'll have known everything yeah that's very true if there's one thing you can talk about is Star Wars, which is why it's surprising we haven't done a Star Wars episode yet. We've got to wait to make it big. Yeah, we'll save that for a special occasion. First eight-hour episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week we're trying something different. Um, I'm not quite sure the rules myself, so I'm going to pass to Nathan in a second. But we are going to be covering the Harry Potter franchise. Um, before you explain the rules, then, I just wanted to touch on Harry Potter with you. Like, Are you a big fan? Have you... Grown up with them, obviously, it's you were growing up as they were being released. Were you yes. a big, big fan of the franchise? That I remember in English class in first my first school being like, We're gonna read a new book. It was Harry Potter. I'm like, oh shit. Um, and it was like nothing, it was just like it was nothing, but obviously it grew into this movie. I grew up reading the books, I loved the books, N- not as big of a fan of the books now. Um, because I think my reading taste has grown. I say that I only read Star Wars books. But, um, yeah, definitely grew up with the books and loved the books. Liked the movies. Originally really, really liked the movies. Was a massive fan. But as I think I've said to you and anybody that will ever ask me about Harry Potter, every single girlfriend, partner, fiancé, both of them, 
uh, whatever, <laughs> has been a massive Harry Potter fan. So it's it's like every in every new relationship, it's like, oh, we've not watched Harry Potter together. I'm like, God, here we go again. And oh, we've not been to Harry Potter Studios together. And I was like, oh, here we go again. So it has kind of dulled it. I do still really, really like it. I do still have a massive love for it. But you know, when you've seen something in that, when, you know, like if you was forced to watch Back to the Future rather than the amount of times you watch Back to the Future because you love it, that's how I feel. So I do really, really like it. And I do have a lot of love for it. But then it's like, here we go again. Here we yeah. go again. So Yeah, I get that. I, um, as a kid, I was a huge fan. Like, I think I started reading the books when I was about maybe seven. Um, and I think I read, I must have read the Harry Potter series about eight times over as a, as a, like a young child. Okay. Cause I think the last one came out in like 2007, the last book. So I read all of them before I was even 12 years old and I just read them over and over and over. I haven't really gone back and reread them all in a very long time. Yeah. Um, funny oh. enough, I've, I've actually, uh, earlier this year, I actually read the first two just, just to see what it was like. And I'm similar to you. My tastes have changed a lot. And it, it felt very rushed now, where, where as a kid, I thought it was the best thing in the world. Whereas, well, Grace, uh, Grace goes through these periods where she'll be like, I want to I want to read Harry Potter, but she won't read them, so she'll get the audio books. So I'll get, we'll get in the car to go somewhere, and then obviously a phone will just connect, and it'll be, you'll just hear, like, Hagrid went down to the, and it's like, oh, here we go again. But then she'll finish them, and then she'll go, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read them again. Well, listen to them again. It's like, oh. But... Honestly, she'll yeah. If it's on, she'll look. She'll watch it. So it's very much just like a. Oh, here we go, Harry Potter. Yeah, Ellen is a big fan of Harry Potter as well. We um bought one of the Trivial Pursuit book games uh last year, but like the Harry Potter theme one. And I used to consider myself. I was as a kid, I thought I knew a lot about Harry Potter, like because I read it. Over the years, I've forgotten so much. So I, I, I was still confident going in and we played, and she fucking wiped the floor. With me. She knows everything, and I don't know. I don't understand it. On the, on the flip side, Grace is very much a massive fan. And I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of a cursory knowledge. And I came out on top and that was like the best feeling. Like, ah, I thought you was a fan. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Ellen would ever live that down if I came out on top now. Because she seems to know everything. Like you could ask, one of the questions was like, who said this in the fourth minute of Half of Prince? She'll, she'll know. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But fair play. To, I haven't watched the films properly, like many of them in a long time. I actually think I've only seen the last one a couple of times. Really? Yeah. And I See, loved them. I remember watching the last two at the cinema. I remember going to get in the last book at a midnight showing. I think I've seen them all. I think I watched the first one that my grandma taught me when I was young. So I really wanted to watch Toy Story and went to watch Harry Potter instead. I remember that very vividly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen them all multiple times and I, I do still enjoy them when they're on. But you know, if, if it's like, can we watch this or do you want to watch something new? I'm like, I know we're going to end up watching Harry Potter, so just put it on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, we might as well get started now then. Uh, I'm going to yeah. hand over to you to explain what's going on, because like I said, I'm still not quite sure, I don't think. So hopefully you do an excellent job explaining now, so take it away. Okay. Well, if you've been paying attention to the social media, this episode and the intro of this episode, uh, we've retitled this one the Cinematch Battle Royale. So it's a new it's a new concept that we're going to do. So basically, we're taking a full series, so in this case, Harry Potter, and we're going to progressively go through each of the movies. So we'll start with the first one, uh, talk about the first one for a little bit, and then once we moved on to the second one and start talking about that, we'll start debating if it's better or worse than the first one. And then 
if that ranks higher or lower, we then move on to the third one. Where does that rank until we've got a definitive Cinematch Harry Potter ranking? Um, I think we've got similar tastes on some of the movies from talking in the past, but a lot of them are probably not. So maybe a little bit argumentative because we can't move on until we've decided a placement. Um, so I don't know if you've got to be anywhere in an hour. <laughs> But Maybe. this might take this might take a while. Um, so we pushed it so, back to half six. It's fine. That's fine. We've got plenty of time to argue with each other. Not that, that not that we ever do. Um, no, not at all. Until we've got an, a definitive number one Harry Potter film, and hopefully, if this one's fun and a success, we can do this with more. I'm not doing it with Marvel, mate. <laughs> no, we're not going back. We're not going back. We're not going back to that pot. But stuff like we can do this stuff like in future, like Quentin Tarantino movies or Scorsese movies and stuff like that. But but first, we'll start off with Harry Potter. Um, so, do you want to get jump straight into the battle royale? I was yes, sounds good to me. Not a wrestling or fighting person for what's the only name I can think of this. And uh, battle royale, you might think comes from Fortnite, but I actually thought of the battle royale movie. So, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it is a battle royale, the rest a match type in wrestling. So that's the first thing I thought of. That's but, all right. Um, that's all right then. I got close enough. But yeah, we can I'll, get started. Just to clarify, this is the eight Harry Potter movies. We aren't including um, the what they call Fantastic, Fantastic movies. movies. That that memorable, we can't even remember the name, um, but we can talk about them in a little bonus bit after if you really want, if you really want to. Uh, which Grindelwald do you prefer? Um, but yeah, no categories here. Just plain old chat about the movie. So if we start with. The first Harry Potter movie. What do you feel about? How do you feel about the first, the first Harry Potter movie, the original, the Philosopher's Slash, Sorcerer's Stone, depending if you watch the right version or the American version. Yeah, I that's uh, probably. I don't know if this is controversial, but that's probably still one of my favorites. I don't really? know if there's a, a nostalgia about it, or it, it. I don't know why, but it reminds me of like Christmas. I think even though there's only like it's one Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, it's a Christmas theme, movie. Isn't it? It, it honestly it feels Christmas to me, and it feels like it's one of those films where, when the weather's horrific outside, you sit in with a blanket or a duvet on the sofa, and you just watch that on like a Sunday afternoon. And I, that's one I have no trouble revisiting. As the series went along, I watched the I've rewatched them less and less, but this one it feels like the one of the most rewatchable to me. And I don't know if, like the book, I don't know if it's one of the shortest. Obviously, the book is, and I don't know if the film runtime correlates that i'd have to look at how each one it's actually a pretty long film for the like the first like considering the first book's the shortest one it is a pretty long film so every time i watch it i'm like oh we're near the end oh no no we're not yeah i thought i i thought that about the second one as well but um the first one once you get past all the introduction bit and you actually get to hogwarts i think it's just Really good, and I, I, I love it so much. It's very different to the book, but that doesn't bother me. Um, whereas some of the changes they make in some of them further on, it bothers me the changes they make. Whereas this one, it doesn't, and I I love it. It feels like a, it does feel like a a nicer adaptation. It's got that um, like really like that fantastical feeling about it. It it does like you said, it does feel magical. It's like something. It feels new, even though it's been kind of done before. But it's got that that Home Alone type, like fantastical feeling about it, like a bit mischievous and a bit, but also fun and innocent at the heart of it. Um, and that's why I, I still really like the first. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's too too giddy and too childish. But I still like I still really like the first one. It's 
it's just got an innocence about it that you lose, obviously, as they grow up. But it has got that like massive childlike feeling to it. Um, what do you think? How do you how do you rate the? We'll say the main cast in Harry, Ron, and Hermione. How do you rate their performances as uh, as you've gone back and look at them? Oh, well, they're obviously not great. I think is it Hermione as well that you can literally see her mouthing what? other yeah. people's lines and stuff as she's walking. They're obviously not great, but that's to be expected with how young they were. I think what helps is that they're surrounded by an incredible cast. Like everyone else is fucking awesome. And I I don't know how you feel on this. I don't know how many people feel, but I think Richard Harris was the perfect Dumbledore, and I feel like they lost a little bit when he sadly passed. Like he was wonderful in that role. And obviously yeah. no disrespect to Michael Gammon, but I don't think it was half as good as Richard Harris, who is when you read Harry Potter, that's the Dumbledore I imagine, not the one that we eventually get. So I think being surrounded by people like that, it works much better for me. He's got like a, a gentle softness to him that Michael Gambon clearly sorely misses um, with his anger, constant anger. Um, but it would have been interesting to see, um, see him as Dumbledore later on down the line. But it's a shame we never got to see it. We also got like Robbie Coltrane and of course... Um, playing Snape is Alan Rickman, who I have all the performances. That is going to be the one he's remembered for, for a very good reason. He's fantastic in those films. Fantastic. He's fantastic. And you've got um, Professor McGonagall with Maggie Smith. And and just the entire cast is 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 great. But in the original trio, yeah, they're young. But I actually think the first film is probably some of the better acting. Um, because they have they they are children, they're acting like children, obviously. But they've got it. obviously Hermione's overly British in the first one. Like she's the most British person I've ever seen with that voice. Ron's perfect from the beginning, uh, and obviously Harry takes a bit of work, but like he's not unlikable. He's not like grating. Um, I I really enjoyed it. So obviously they grow into much better actors, uh, debatably in some of the films. Um, what kind of like um, do you have any kind of strong memories of you? It's like I said, I, my grandma took me to watch the first film. What kind of strong memories do you have attached to this one? This one is not the first film I ever went to watch the cinema, but it is one of the very first. Like, I don't even remember watching it, I just remember leaving. I remember coming out with my mum and my brother, and I was like maybe four something like that. And I just remember being like, well, I don't know what the hell just happened, but it was fantastic. Like it's, I think... The... I, had an op- I had a reaction like that recently, but instead of, I don't know what the hell happened, it was fantastic. I, had a, I don't know what the hell happened. That was the worst film I've ever seen. Have you ever seen a film called The Flash? <laughs> Do you know, as soon as you said I had something like that recently, I was like, here we fucking go. <laughs> Terrible. The Flash is fine. fine. I think the more I think about it, the less I like it, but it's fine. But um, yeah, I think... As well, it's it's hard to really think about that first movie now because, um, like, in the sense of watching it for the first time, because it feels like those characters were just there forever now. Yeah. Um, all of them in that first movie, especially, it was just the most perfect casting. Like, I don't know how you get every single person right in that film, but they did. Um, which is in why the decision to remake a TV series this shortly after is very interesting because I don't think there's going to be many people that can live yeah, up to some of those it, it wouldn't be the same and it's so almost the Harry Potter franchise from the first one as soon as the first one released you knew it was going to be something special and it's something obviously something obviously quintessentially British but it's 
it's one of those like Back to the Future or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or um, Indiana Jones where you you can't remake them. I don't think the the perfect trilogy, well not trilogies, the perfect series is you shouldn't really remake them from scratch. Do your own thing or something, but yeah, you shouldn't really. And the Fast and Furious, obviously, you shouldn't really remake them. Just just do your own thing, do something different. Just kind of leave them be because you you can't touch them. They're untouchable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it feels like you said, it does feel like like just quintessentially English, like the film. It's one of like not to sound like too over the top, but it's it feels like it's one of like this country's like biggest creations in terms of like the way it hit the zeitgeist and how it took over culture. And it's still to this day, despite the fact it ended over a decade ago, it's still everywhere. Like even when you go to like America and stuff, it's the merch is still in all the shops. It's it's but you crazy. go to places like you go to London, and you go, you can go in a lot of. Sh- there's like shops dedicated to Harry Potter still, like pop up shops that aren't licensed Harry Potter, but it's like clearly this is Harry Potter. York shops all over the place in York, just because the streets somewhat look like Diagon Alley. You know the the studio tours still sell out. People come to UK to look at go to the castles just where one scene shot is madness, and it all you know it all sprouted from that movie. Yeah, um, they've still got the trolley coming out of the wall at King's Cross. They've actually got that there. Always it's always packed. I don't get it. It's a it's a plastic trolley and a wall, guys. I don't get it. But, but I don't know if... I mean, with how popular the books were, I feel like even if the first film was a disappointment, they'd have made the rest of the series anyway. But I think with how good that first film was, it really start, like, got the franchise off to an incredible start. So... I don't think it would have been half as successful as it was if it wasn't for how well they did in that first movie with the casting, the performances, and just the entire thing, really. Yeah, agreed. So we haven't got a uh, anything to rank it up against. So Harry Potter currently ranks baseline. So do you want to move on to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? Absolutely. How do you feel about that one? Again, I think this one's quite a controversial one, I think it depends on who you ask it's either one of the favorites or one of the least I know Eleanor's not a big fan of this one um but I I love it I really like this one I think even though it's only the second one and they're still young I think the elements of horror that they bring in it really works for me and it's probably one of the most rewatchable as a kid like I can almost quote that full film now <laughs> no I said it's one of the most rewatchable Okay. This one I can is I, I think this one actually is the one I've watched the most, which is yeah. interesting because it's not necessarily my favorite, but okay. Well, I know where we're probably the one I've watched the most. Um, and yeah, it's I think the cast, the kids, I think get a little better. I think everyone else because it's a world we're settled in now. We don't take too long to get back into things, um, which obviously helps from Always a story standpoint. But um, also, I think. Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart is absolutely sensational. Like <laughs> even now, that that stuff kills me. He's so good in that role. Um, cool. And I I think like the Chamber of Secrets is just an interesting concept. Like the way they did that, and they delved into like the Hogwarts founders, the four founders, and stuff. And just it took everything about the first one, but it, it wasn't quite as mature as the series went. But it, it gave a hint of what was to come. It was definitely darker. Um, and yeah, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I think in terms of the second one, obviously these all the films got an edge because they're based off of 
source material. But I think the second one built off of a a visual style off the first one. That first one was, like I said, charming and magical and a little bit playful. And this one kind of went, right, well, you've seen how fun being a wizard can be. Well, now it's going to get a bit darker. And they managed to take it all and still weave in this this dark, these dark parts, like, you know, with the, you know, the polyjuice potion and and still having fun with that, but having it like showing like a bit of a darker effect to it. Just going to keep saying darker until the, the message is hit home. Um, just like when I was saying spiritual the other week. Uh, yeah. Um, but having like people petrified and the spiders in the in the forbidden forest, and I mean, you had a tiny bit of horror in the first one, but it was mainly at the end and in the forbidden forest. But this one, like you say, it really amped it up. And I mean, not as much as the third one did it, but it really like it felt like. Whereas the third one felt a bit more like, okay, right, now we're adults or teenagers. This one still felt like that kind of goosebumps type kiddie horror that's, it's okay for you to like your eight or nine-year-old nephew or niece to watch or your kids, but not that not that bad that it's still not entertaining for them and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, re I really like what they managed to do with the world that we already had, like you said. And not just kind of doing the same thing again with the benefits of the book, but turning it into something a bit more, more of a straight up horror ad adventure in the most kiddie way possible, obviously. And yeah, good for Lockhart, Lockhart. Whoever decided, like I've seen him in, you know, Dunkirk and Poirot in the Poirot movies and everything. He's like a completely different person. He's fantastic. And I, I don't say fantastic a lot, but he is fantastic. And uh yeah, that's a that's a performance that, that I'm shocked that he never really came back in any of the later movies because it's a it's a massive and memorable performance. Same with um, you know, Dobby and you get more of the Malfoy kind of stuff. Um yeah. The second one for me, I was old enough to go on my own by the time the second one came out. I remember going with some friends. And it was, it was kind of, you kind of felt like, oh, well, now I'm a bit more adult. I can take this. And it, it did, I did really enjoy it. I probably haven't watched it as much as the first one because it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie like the first one does. That one just, this one just feels like, it, oh, we're just going to watch the second one because the third one, the, the first one, we watched the first one. So we're going to start watching them. Um, but I probably haven't watched this one as much as the others, shockingly enough. Um, but yeah, still really, really like the second one. I think the second one to me feels more like a Halloween movie. Um, Third one to me feels like a Halloween movie. I mean, yeah, because there's obviously the pumpkin stuff at the end as well. Yeah. Uh, I think after that, none of them really feel seasonal. Um, yeah. Those first those first few, they do feel like very... Like there is a certain time of year that you should watch them. Um, but yeah, the stuff with um, Tom Riddle um, and that reveal was, was great. I think... All the ways they they got around people seeing the basilisk was really well done and very smart, um, including like the cat in the with the water, Colin through the uh, camera, Justin Vince Fletcher looking at it through nearly headless snake. Like it's all really clever. Like it's just really well done. Um, one thing I don't like is it was the first tint of like. I mean, it was obvious anyway what, where the series was going, but it was like the hint that, oh, it's all about, like, Harry's like the chosen one, like, where he could all of a sudden just hear, like, speak snakes, so it meant that he could talk to the fucking creature and stuff. Like, 
I, I've, I'm very much against that whole um, chosen one trope. I think it's one of the laziest in any movie, like where it's yeah, just all this Star one Wars person can do everything. Huh? As a Star Wars fan, I have to agree. No, I think Star Wars did it did a nice twist on it. We were having the chosen one turn to the yeah. dark side, and then like whereas this, where it's like he's the guy that has to save the day, and he never wavers from that. It's just a bit dull for me. And there's just yeah. certain plot armor surrounding the character where it's like, oh, we know nothing's ever going to happen to this character because of it. Um, and I feel like the whole stuff with the parcel mouth. Um, was that the this is why I didn't win the trivia game. It's parcel tongue, not parcel mouth. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. That's why I didn't fucking win. <laughs> I'm sure you can say parcel mouth as well. I think parcel mouth is what they do when they're teenagers. <laughs> I'm convinced <laughs> you can say parcel mouth. And I hope you get slated by the people that called you out for the Mariah Carey mistake last time. Yeah. Probably. I hope next week you're sat on this podcast apologising to me because I am sure parcel mouth's a thing. But <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Oh, the talking to snakes. Yeah. Um I don't I don't like that stuff, but I think the horror stuff was really well done. Like even now, that whole stuff with the spiders, it grosses me out. Like the spider stuff's really good. And a lot knowing a lot of the effects in the second well, all of them really. Um, but knowing a lot of the first and the second movie was done a lot practical rather than CG. Um makes me love it even more because I, I assume you've been to Harry Potter Studios. Like yeah. seeing all the seeing all the props and the practical effects from you see them mostly from the first two movies and the, the spider stuff with Aragog and everything was... Is it Aragog or is that Lord of the Rings? It is it's Aragog. Aragog. Yeah. Um, I, really creepy to look at and knowing I can see it in person, it's just £50 a ticket, it fucking rip off, but uh, is is uh, is really, really good. I love all the practical effects in, in those movies. I think it's interesting though how they kind of give away... Um, if you're watching closely enough, they give away that Lucius Malfoy gives Ginny the book. Like you literally see him put it yeah. in there, which is quite. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good stuff. Good stuff in there, and yeah, that. But the second one does have one of my favourite subplots in all of the f- films, and that is Ron's broken wand, and just leading to some fucking funny as fuck. But even even that, because um, that obviously that's reminding me of the stuff when Malfoy calls Hermione and Mudblood, and you first get that introduction to like discrimination in the Wizarding World. I think it's really well done, and even for kids at that age, it's quite eye opening. So I think when you take that into account, I just think it's a really good movie. I do, mm-hmm. I enjoy it a lot, and I think <laughs> I think I'd put it. So would you? Yeah, let's let's get into. So we're getting into. I'm the already first, stuck. I'm already stuck. <laughs> so we're getting into the first. We're getting into the first round of fighting. So now we've talked about the first one. We've talked about the second one. Decision time, Cal. And this is this is literally the first hurdle. So yeah. you getting stressed out by it is not a good sign. I know these two. We've, got, we've only got forty five minutes left to film. Uh, do you rank the Chamber of Secrets higher or lower than the Philosopher's slash Sorcerer's Stone? We're going to say first episode. I'm going to say philosophers because that is the correct word. Oh, I'm <laughs> saying higher. Higher? Why? I just think because everything they set up in the first one, it takes all all of the the world we were introduced to. It takes it to another level, and I think the, the performances are better in the second one. I think the villain 
is better in the second one. I think the Chamber of Secrets as a concept is better than like the Philosopher's Stone and going down through those little um that those right. like sort of getting through the trials. I think the Chamber of Secrets is just cooler. I think having Voldemort's memory take over Ginny Weasley was really well done. Um, I think Gilderoy Lockhart was a better defense against the Dark Arts teacher than Quirrell because he wasn't. I mean, he was kind of evil, but he was funny when he did it. Yeah, he did have a face stuck to the back of his head, like yeah. malignant. But uh, yeah, I think, and I also think the horror stuff worked really well. Um, the first one, I think, it just took a little bit too much time to actually get into things. Like, I don't think you're even. Up, how long is it to you at Hogwarts? Like forty minutes. It's not that long. It's really not that long. Like it doesn't take that long at all. And this is where we're gonna have a first disagreement at the first hurdle. Because I would say that Chamber of Secrets just underneath Philosopher's Stone, because there's something about the first film, like I, I've repeatedly said, it's just got that really lovely magical feeling. And not only are you introduced to Harry and his world and obviously the way he's been brought up, but it's the first time you're having your eyes open to magic. And like I say, in the first films, it was all practical. So a lot of that stuff was done. So seeing Diagon Alley for the first time, you know, seeing um, Hogwarts for the first time and the train and Platform 9 and 3 quarters and then everything as the lessons, the first, you know, the first time they're learning magic with Wingardium Leviosa, the first Quidditch match and all that. And I like the I like the trials at the end, um, and I think the end's really creepy when he's got his hands on his face and his face is crumbling away. I had nightmares like about that for years as a kid. Um, so I, that's why I would write. I, I like the second one, and I do like everything you've said about it. But I just think it because it's just a continuation. The the magical aspect of it, the introductory and the the fun aspect of the first one edges it out. Uh, and this is where we're now going to decide where we're going to place it. So, the thing is, <laughs> here's the thing. I was quite torn on which one was going to go first. So I'm not that upset we're putting the first one above the second because, like you said, that shot of Hogwarts when they're on the lake. It's just it's one of the most glorious things I've ever seen. And the first one, more so the book than the film, but the film as well. It's what made me want to be a writer. It was like, as a kid, I wanted to like write something like that. I wanted to create stuff like that. I mean, it's not really worked out. I'm, a, I'm doing more sports and non-fiction stuff now. But... You're talking about Harry Potter right this second. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's... I think I prefer the second one, but for what you said about the first and the fact it started all... it. I'm not fine. I'm not too upset with it going above it. Although it's interesting to say because it's uh, it's a continuation, you have to put the first above it. Does that mean the first is good? Is number one? Because you could call every single one. Oh, that's not a play. That's not ruining the whole concept with one technicality. <laughs> no, it's just no. It's just like the second one doesn't do enough to be different. I don't think it it changes it a little bit by adding that little bit of dot. Like you can't. I know we're going to talk about it, but you look at. What comes later, they really change it with each one. Whereas this one just these two feel more connected. Like these, I always say the first and the second one feel like a very different series to the rest of them. It, 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 this when we start talking about Prison of Azkaban, that's when the, the tone shifts massively. I but suppose these, though, that's Christopher Columbus directing the first two, didn't he? And then he left yeah. and he he's obviously he's known for that sort of magic that he brings to movies like Home Alone and stuff. And the soundtrack, 
and the first two is very, very similar to Home Alone. John Williams. Yeah. Once he, once Columbus leaves, it does change drastically. So that's probably a large reason for that, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I'm fine with the first one going above. That's fine. I'll take the win. I'm not uh, going to be uh, that generous going forward, though. <laughs> well, now we're going to talk about the one that changed the series the most. It went, it almost went from like a nice kiddie franchise full of magic and whimsy to almost gothic um, with a very different direction style and um, different um, aesthetic and design choices throughout. We ditched the uniforms when the kids were at school. So obviously we're talking about the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban, which I am a former emo, so Prisoner of Azkaban. I say former emo, it's still in there at heart. I still listen to my comic romance on the daily. Um, but it has a massive place in my heart, the third, the third one. Absolutely loved it. But one that changed the most from the books. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. Um, I like the third one a lot. I think the introduction of Sirius Black was, it was fucking genius. And it was like, even as a kid, watching that movie, like the, the beginning of it and as it builds through, it paints him as this like mythic creature. When they talk about Sirius Black and everyone's like, hush. I think it's the most creative and like effective way to ever introduce a character like i saw something once online and it was like saying the best characters in anything are the ones that people talk about like for ages like oh the so-and-so's coming so it's coming and then they eventually show up in the final third and it's like this big reveal and you've got yeah. to land it you've got to land it at that point and i think gary oldman is fucking on another level um, yeah I love uh, the third one, but I think that massive change, it's almost like the first few, the first couple were like Willow. And then once you got to the third one, it was like Lord of the Rings. Like <laughs> that was like how the drastic turn in like the fantasy. And Oh, you've said that I hate Willow. Hate it. Why would you say that to That's your yeah, guy in George Lucas, what... isn't it? it? It is. And it's not his finest work. He's no Howard the Duck, but it's... <laughs> No, but I get what you're saying. And the yeah, the third one changed it up massively. The kids have obviously grown up as well. Like the in this first and the second one, they look and act like kids. And the third one, they are not kids. They, they like they almost aged five years, you know, with their with their early two thousands floppy haircuts and the the um top shop jumpers and, and all that kind of <laughs> all that business. Um but yeah, like with serious like all the way through the movie, um like you say, it is it's a looming threat, and having him not actually be present and having him be obviously they changed it for the film from the books, but be just a shadow in the cloud that Harry's just scared of because he's heard about this omen. And um, oh, who is it that plays the div uh, the divination teacher, Emma Thompson? Uh, yeah. Like that amazing performance where she's talking about the omen and all that kind of stuff. All these things, nothing. The claw marks you've not actually seen him. And then when you do, everything's just flipped on its head almost immediately. It's, it, I think it takes 10, 15 minutes from actually physically those characters meeting for him to be, oh, no, I'm not the bad guy. And then the twist of, obviously, Ron's rat, um, whose name was Wormtail. Yeah. Uh, um, Scabbers, yeah. Uh, being actually connected to it all and being... It, then being another Voldemort connection, it was better 
much better twist than I expected from. And of course, I'd already read the books. I don't, I did already know, but in the movie, they played it so well, and with all the reveals and all the action and everything, it just really, really well done. As well as one of the best creature designs of all time with um, the Dementors, that bloody all the silk all over their face and everything, fantastic. Pulling another one out, fantastic, phenomenal. Um, but. Yeah, the third film feels like a just completely different beast and it's got so much going for it as well. And like, it, I think it, if it weren't, if they didn't get a different, if they kept Christopher Columbus, the rest of the films wouldn't have changed. I feel like they needed this one to be a turning point because this one really speaks to what the rest of the franchise become. It, it almost forced it into an adult series all of a sudden because as we get on the, the the themes get more and more adult and you needed this kind of like whiplash turn from Chamber of Secrets to Prisoner of Azkaban to to really do it and his direction style of showing the seasons as they change like with the Wampum Willow uh, transitions and all of that really really helped that yeah I think um, that's one of the things most effects about the series as a whole that for people like you and I, who absolutely aren't the same generation, not even close. Cheers. But we both kind of grew up with the Harry Potter series, as in it aged with us. Yeah. So, like, I mean, by the time the book series finished, I was still only 12, so it's not like uh, 11, sorry. So it's not like that I aged with that, but the movies, on the other hand, it was like I aged with them. That's right, I'm much younger than you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but um it's my weekly reminder. Yeah, the demento design. I'm not afraid to admit I probably had about eleven nightmares about that shit when I was a kid. And it's interesting because I just compared it, this one to like when the series went into more of like a Lord of the Rings direction. Where because they do look very similar to um Sauron's night and they got what they call the night night riders, is that right? Night rider. I don't think the night riders. Oh, is that that guy from Marvel in it? Or is that Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider. Knight Rider's an 80s. That's David Hasselhoff, isn't it? David Hasselhoff. <laughs> David Hasselhoff just going around looking for a ring. He's chasing Nas- Frodo. Is it Nazgul? Nazgul? That sounds about right. But they look like Lord of the, the Ring Dementors. Names. Yeah. So that's that. that would have uh, been interesting if David Hasselhoff was chasing Frodo in his car. <laughs> He'd caught uh, him immediately. But no, David- the Dementors looked scary as hell, but it was so good. Yeah, David Fulis as well as uh, Professor Lupin, really, really good. Yeah, Lupin was stand, a standout, I think, throughout the entire series from that point on. I think he was perfectly cast. Yeah, he play, he plays it really well as as well with that, again, with a, a softness, but all the way through, you, again, if you've read the books, you know, but even knowing that, you can see the torture in him on a day-to-day basis. The bit where they do the, like, the ridiculous spells and to turn something scary into something not scary, and he stands in front of Harry because he can see a Dementor, and it's just the moon. And like the shot of his face, when I was editing the videos, that um, that scene came up, and I was like, oh, "God, how good that scene is!" Just a really, really small scene. And of course, you got the bit at the end with the the, first, the introduction of Expectoro Patronum, which is as nerdy as it sounds. That is a bit. If we was doing categories, that would be a fist pump moment in the in the franchise, um, because it is such a a good moment, especially when you have that heartbreak of him thinking, oh, I saw my dad and it wasn't, it was him. And it was that kind of fulfilling moment. But how do you feel about the most controversial thing about the Prisoner of Azkaban and with the time turner? 
I was going to get to that actually because I think while it was a clever idea, I think the introduction of something like that it ultimately leaves so many issues going forward from this point on. If there's yeah. such things as time turners, why would no one ever think to save Sirius Black or Cedric Diggory when they find out the port key? You're like, not to step on the favorite films, but there's so many issues that happen later on where if these things existed, they just, why is no one thinking to use them to prevent these sort of tragedies? Like, I think time travel has to be done right if it's going to be done. Right. Batch the Future nails it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's a clever idea, and it's interesting that that's what leads to like the the way the stories like come together with Harry thinking it's his dad, but it's not. Um, yeah, that but, was, yeah, and like the like being distracted because they threw a stone, and then like it is all cyclical. Yeah, the one coming through the window—it was quite. It's quite clever, like how they do it. Because at first you watch it, and you just don't really know what the fuss going on. Like, like what's going on here? But then. I think the- I think the time turner kind of highlights a bigger problem is when you start using magic to do just plot points whenever you want, it's kind of like, so at one point there's um, the same Sirius has been through the, through the castle and Sirius has been in his slash the, the, the fat lady's portrait, can't say fat lady anymore, fat lady's portrait. And it's like, well, all those other paintings can walk and talk and see things. Why wouldn't they not just say where he went? Yeah. But there's but a few plot holes. Like, it's magic, Peter, like this, I've seen it so many times online, but like people say, if Peter Pettigrew was in Ron Weasley's bed every single night on that Marauder's map, why <laughs> Fred and George not say anything? Like, because they've had that map for years at this point, they wouldn't the support, have seen it. The supported brothers, if they look, if they want, if they think that that's what their brother wants, then I mean, as a kid, maybe they should have said something to the parents, maybe they're enablers. Franklin's one thing, but allowing pedophilia is another. You're like, surely you'd be asking who the hell is Peter Pettigrew at that point. <laughs> I do think though that scene in the book, especially, but in the movie when Harry's finds when he hears about Peter Pettigrew and Harry was murdered by Sirius, and then he sees him on the Rose map. It's really clever, like yeah. and it's really eerie at that point, and I think it's so well done. Do you think she always had that twist planned that Scabbers was always going to be revealed as Peter Pettigrew? I doubt it. Yeah. I think you kind of have a first book and you hope it's successful, and then when it is, you can kind of start building off of it. But it's, it, I think it's things like that where you go. Oh, I'm going to build this in. I'll work it out later. Like with the time turner, you're never going to use it again. That would have been really handy in the final fight. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just. I think each book at a point you kind of. I think she probably wanted each book to stand alone until all of a sudden it can't. Um, but yeah, how? So we've got currently the Philosopher's Stone at number one and Chamber of Secrets at number two. So would you say? Prisoner of Azkaban, you would rank higher or lower than the Philosopher's Stone, which is currently at number one. I think, and this is surprising. surprising because this is obviously the only one without Voldemort in any capacity, so it had to be impressive to be successful without the main villain. But I actually do think I'd rank this at number one right now. I think I put this above Philosopher's Stone. I'd love to argue with you, but I can't. I fully 100% agree. It's it's that moment of growing up, and the reason why I like you'll say, well, what about the first one, having introduced introducing all the magic and all this that? Well, this one reintroduced it, kind of reset, and like I said, give you that whiplash of okay, this is the tone now. We're grown up, um, and also it has while the second one has the 
Ron's broken ones with the amazing, you know, backfiring and throwing up slugs. And the first one has the initial magic and all that excellent stuff. Um, the third one has uh, Hermione punching Draco right in the face. And if that's not one of the best things you ever need to see, it, so, so yeah, that's why it would easily knocks it, knocks it above. Also really love the werewolf design on um, Lupin, especially when he changes, it really gives that old school horror vibes. And um, I love that it's not a traditional werewolf because obviously at the time Twilight was getting big as well. It's not a traditional werewolf. It's like this really scrawny, skinny thing. Um, no, Dan, we're not talking about you. Um, it's 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 fantastic. It's an amazing design. I really, really love it. Um, but yeah, I would agree that Prison of Azkaban is also would rank higher than and uh, than uh, the Philosopher's Stone just because it really does just change things up for the better. You've also got Bookbeak. Who didn't want a Bookbeak? Yeah, that was cool. And I will say about Lupin, the transformation looks painful, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, it was very much out of... American it felt World. very similar to the American, American Werewolf in London, like the transformation. Yeah. It felt like that's nothing anyone ever wants to go through. And I think that's important. And it's 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 it was necessary for the character that it needed to look like this isn't some this isn't fun. This isn't just like transforming into a wolf whenever you feel like it and getting by. Like obviously in Twilight, that Jacob just jumps right. about and he's just cutting shapes as a wolf. Just <laughs> I can honestly say I've never watched Twilight, and if you make me watch it for this podcast, I'll, I'll hate you forever. I've watched every single one, including the last one at the cinema, and I've got no shame. I've got I've seen clips of I've, there's one clip going around recently. Um, of her screaming at Jacob after naming a child after something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. That's the last one. It's, yeah. it's a series I, best I, left forgotten, I think. Um, happily, one happily. final note. Yeah, I, I, I was going to do a fan on it as well, so I'll let you do a fan on it. Uh, yeah, you do a fan on it. I'm just, I want to tell you, I've got no shame of admitting, as a kid, me and my friends, we, there was a field right next to my house. Oh, where's this story going? <laughs> no, we used to get... <laughs> Like we used to play like wizards and stuff, so we get sticks. But we get like so you was in a field with your mates doing this. We stick playing with your ones, yeah. Yeah, we had sticks in doing that. Um, but I've I can't tell you how many times I shouted the words expect or patrolman at the top of my voice as like a <laughs> ten year old kid. Like I've got no shame in admitting that. I it's it was such a fun. It's that's probably one of the biggest takeaways in any movies. Like. It's such an awesome moment that scene on the lake when he saves Sirius. Yeah, me and Grace went to um, a Forbidden Forest walk in Chester, I think it is, um, last Christmas. And it's like you go through the forest, it's all lit up and it's got decorations and stuff. But the ending of it is this big like light show where he does the expector patrol and it all lights up and you can see all of the dementors flying by. And that was cool. As well as like there's this platform you can walk up to and shout it. And um, you get your own Patronus. And there's some people like me who's like, oh, whatever, I don't want to do it. And there's other people that will proper go in for it, like kids and adults as well. Proper. I'd have done it. <laughs> I'd have been you straight got up. Ro- you got your robe on. You got your wand in hand, shaking it about like you did yeah. in that field. Yeah. I I'd bring the boys was... back. We'd all get ones up. <laughs> what I wanted to say was, the Prisoner of Azkaban was the first time you kind of went, oh right, okay, to Snape. Um, and not seeing him as just the bad guy. Um, like, I think it's the most telling, like, obviously looking back after everything that happens, it's the most telling scene when he stands in front of the 
the gang and puts his arms out and puts himself in harm's way. And it really betrays the character that you've seen all the way up until this point, who really clearly hated him. And it re- that speaks to everything we learn about him. And I think that is such a such a solid scene to include that if obviously a plot point later on that comes back if that hadn't been built in it wouldn't have felt as genuine later on and I think that's the first moment where you kind of go right it was always there so yeah yeah. so this is the one I think we uh, we might be uh, agreeing on some stuff we might be able to gush on a little bit more with it's got a fucking dragon in it, so Goblet of Fire. Automatically, one of my favourite films. Not just Harry Potter films, I love it. It's got a fucking giant dragon in it. What more do you need? That's yeah. me. That's me. That's what I'm going to say about it. Yeah, uh, I've made no secret in the past to anyone that I'll talk about Harry Potter with. The Goblet of Fire is, it is the peak for me. Whether it's the book or the film, I love everything about this movie. I fucking yeah. oh, it's so good. I think starting off. Stop recording now. Yeah, I think starting off where it did, it was such a drastic shift. Just seeing Frank the caretaker obviously stumble across um, Voldemort in the old Riddle um, house, and just the way they just made him a cobbler, it was like un- it was unlike anything we'd seen at that point. I think it was the first time we'd seen the killing curse. Yeah. Um, and well, obviously, kind of, kind of in Chamber of Secrets, he is about to say it when he yeah. gives Dobby a sock. But yeah, it's the first time we'd seen him full. Which is, but when you think about that, actually, which we talk about the fact that Lucius Malfoy is going to straight up fucking murder Harry in the school in front of Dumbledore's office, like that was the most stupid idea ever. But um, I don't kill a kid in the school. It's, it's set in England. It's not going to happen. But um, yeah, I think Goblet of Fire just it's on a different level. Like we said, then Prisoner of Azkaban was where the story first starts to get a bit darker. But I think Goblet of Fire it it's all in at this point. Like it's a completely different tone. Um, I think. Starting it's, a, with the... it's a weird one. Uh, just sorry, just a quick. It, it's a weird one, Goblet of Fire, because it's such a fun movie all the way, all up until it's fucking not. Yeah, it's such yeah. a it's, it's a strange one. I think the the Quidditch World Cup would have been. That's one of the big my biggest issues that we didn't see it. Oh, uh, don't. Yeah. I don't know what the thought process was in not showing the Quidditch World Cup. Like I yeah. don't understand. That was. One of the best things in that book for me was reading about the Quidditch World Cup, and I don't understand why they didn't include it. Um, but I think the whole stuff with the Dark Mark being revealed and the everything going into chaos, and it really did like spark fear. Like it felt ominous, and it, it was like something big is coming. Um, and as the book went on and the movie went on, and the introduction of the Triwizard Tournament, which I just think is fucking genius. I love that so much. Mm. Um, obviously, somehow Harry ends up in it, like chosen one, all that bollocks. I mean, somehow you watch the movie, you know what happens. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Though, like they, they had to find a way to get Harry in it, even though there's specific rules because it's Harry Potter. Um, but I think in the books we've we've obviously already been introduced to him. But the movie is the first. This movie is the first we see of Cedric Diggory, who I think is a fucking great character. Like he is everything that most people wouldn't expect from a Hufflepuff, like, they're supposed to be, like, the nerds, and this guy's just, like, fucking coolness personified. Well, um, no, Hufflepuff are the stoners, aren't they? Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw are the dorks, Hufflepuff are the stoners, Gryffindor are the jocks, and then Slytherins are the goths. Yeah, which is why it doesn't make sense, because he feels like one of the most jockiest people in that fucking school. Everyone He's loves Cedric the coolest person in yeah. any of the movies ever. Yeah, um... 
and I just think the way they did all the different trials, it was it was so fucking good. Um, like I said, there's there's fucking dragons for Christ's sake. Dragons, it's sick. All you need, absolutely sick. And it's such a good um, bit as well. It's not just like. Not only is it just like, right, okay, we're going to take kids and we're going to stick them in a pit with a dragon. But obviously then it goes off the rails and they go flying around the castle as well, which of course it has to. Um, but it's such a great design on the dragon. Like, I love it. I love a good dragon. Um, but it's such a good design on the dragons as well. Like Much better than that shit we get in the Deathly Hallows but, um, with a bang. Um, but yeah, and then with the mermaids as well, which creepy as fuck. And then obviously the maze at the end and all the creatures inside of that. It just really well thought out. I don't know why they couldn't just say, Harry, I'm sure there's probably something in there. Harry's just like, okay, well, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. I'll just like, just lock him in a room. What's going to happen? There should be something. There should be something there. Like, yeah, probably shouldn't. But Mad Eye Moody as well. Yeah. I was trying to wrap my brains then. I can't remember for the life of me the name of the actor. I wish I could. He's a really, really, obviously, good actor. He's, he's been in quite a lot, so I don't know why we'll I can't remember. Do, because it's going to bug the life out of me. Yeah, um, he was in Banshees of Inner Shearing. He was in The Edge of Tomorrow. Unfortunately, um, he was also uh, in a film we watched recently, uh, Paddington 2. I wasn't there. Oh, no, you, 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 didn't, you didn't watch that one. Um, mm. Still can't find it. What's his name? What's his name? Brendan Gleeson. That's, That's the one. Yeah, he Who? just did. He did In Bruges as well with Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a great actor, and he did a brilliant job as Moody slash um, Bobby Crouch. Crouch Jr. Yeah. Which I rewatched bits of The Goblet of Fire on Monday when I got back from London, and it's actually really surprising to me how blatantly obvious they make it that he, there's something going on with Moody, like when he's like kind of spying on Bobby Crouch, or he does the the tongue thing in front of him, yeah. and then immediately after his Bobby Crouch is dead, like how how is people not supposed to be incredibly suspicious about this guy? Yeah. But, um, I think they lean into that like kind of Hagrid level of lovability where he's clearly looking out for Harry because most people do. Most people kind of bend the rules for Harry. Like McGonagall did it in the first one by giving him a broomstick. And, you know, Hagrid's always like bending and breaking the rules for him um, to tell him stuff. And so, so does Dumbledore. I think the only one that doesn't really is Snape. Um, yeah. um, so you kind of you easily convinced that could just be another teacher that's wants Harry to win for whatever reason, not for the reasons we get in the end, which fuck me. Yeah, but it's, it's well really again, well, it's well manipulated all the way through. It's well played and well planned out all the way through all the way through. And it once you realise what's happened, you go, oh shit. Yeah, it's really well done. I think um the scene when Harry goes into Dumbledore's like Pensy, I think it's called, and he's in the memories and we see Kakarov in the uh, courtroom and he yeah. does the big reveal when he said when he's it's weird though because it's like it's switched because he seems really upset he's like I've got no I promise that he's like Barty Crouch never looked and then he has all of a sudden he's really happy and he's smirking when he's like junior and David Tennant who I don't even know if he'd been Doctor Who at that point I don't know if he was well known because he's not in very many scenes but he's brilliant yeah I imagine if it was after Doctor Who or around Doctor Who they probably would have given him way more scenes yeah. but yeah in the short time he's given he is he is brilliant as well, but but yeah, not even touched on the other, the other schools as well. Introduction to like, this Hogwarts isn't the only one. There's there's more. I mean, France and Germany. Um, the French obviously having the better school. Imagine going to that school. I know that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? I love <laughs> that. Um, 
Yeah. How many schools? Do you, I think they touched on there being more than that. So they're not just the only ones, but there must be. I think there's one in Australia, there's a couple in America. Yeah, you'd imagine so. There's so, oh. It feels weird, like how much there is on the table for that universe to do. And if they've, they've not, they just haven't. Yeah. Like, they did the Fantastic Beast, which less said the better, but like yeah. so much they could have done. And it's, it's surprising that they haven't really. Um, I think it also, again, opens up more plot holes of like, also, magician like wizards are a secret, but they're literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. But... Um, we haven't even touched on that last trial properly. That's my. That's another issue I had is yeah. the maze. Um, it gets rid of a lot of what's in the book. Like in yeah. the book, they've got to answer like riddles and the sphinxes and stuff like that, and then they get rid of a lot of that in the maze. I'm not really sure why. Um, yeah, but it's still good. I think Crumb being. Um, yeah, him him being possessed, and when I think it's Flair's looking around, and then it she just like turns the light, and he's just there. It's like a fucking horror villain. It's like a jump scare. Oh, I seen it's like that's what I mean. It's like it's dead fun. It's, it's a really fun movie. It starts off a bit dark, goes into quite a fun movie, and then you get to the maze, and then all of a sudden it's like no, nope, no, nope. yeah, yeah, we're completely crazy. changing the tone of this movie, like almost like a light switch, literally like a light switch. It was fucking dark, and the him being possessed, and then. I like that like, you think that, right, okay, we're going to win together and it's going to be that nice Harry Potter kind of ending kind of thing. And then oh, it all goes to shit. Yeah. And that, I can touch you now. Uh, his his birth, his rebirth, um, his like all the Death Eaters coming and then the fight. Watching like Harry like genuinely struggle after seeing a main character, a kid, no no less, I think probably for the first time in the entire franchise, get killed outside of um, what's-the-face, the ghost girl in the second one. Morning Myrtle. Morning Myrtle, yeah, which I should know that because I call Grace that a lot. Um, um, it's the lucky first woman. Time, yeah, it's the first time you see, you genuinely see somebody physically killed as, as well, not first person, but first child and it's like, oh, fuck, this is all of a sudden, it, it's changed. And I really like the bit where Voldemort's like, um, you know, there's rules to follow. At first we bow and makes him bow and stuff like that. It's just, it straight up turns into a horror, like a proper horror movie. Yeah, and I think what's important about them killing Cedric is he was portrayed as a very competent wizard up until that point. Like he, I can't remember how well he did in the first challenge, but he won the second one, and he was portrayed as quite skillful. And then he was just cast. It was like with ease, he was just cast aside. It was like, oh, like these kids are out of the depth, essentially. Yeah, and I think shows, just that. Go on. He shows Voldemort as a real force as well. Yeah, and I think just that bit when they first get to the graveyard and they're wondering what's going on then you see the grave and it's got the Tommy name on you're like oh shit <laughs> like oh we fucked it here boys get gone <laughs> and then Cedric even like defending Harry like he's the one that steps up and he's the one with the one asking who you are like he, he was betrayed as such a like a competent wizard for his age that it was quite jarring to see him just cast aside like that with ease and I think it was a real wake-up call for as is the audience, because the only young wizard we'd seen come across like villains to this point is Harry, who obviously is surrounded by plot armor. So it's like, well, these guys can't be that great if they're getting bested by this kid all the time. So I think it was important to see a, a fellow student come up against it and just get immediately fucking whacked. 
think it was important that he didn't beat him either, or he didn't wound him. He didn't even get like it didn't really get even a hit on him. He just had to make it out and escape. Yeah. Which I think were really important, like going on as well. Um obviously the really nice scene of all of the ghosts coming out of the the wand. Um it's the one two punch of take my body back to my father and then getting back and Cedric Diggory and dad being like my boy gets me every yeah. time. Yeah. Like I said, I was watching bits <laughs> you know? of it and it, it did it te- I teared up watching that. Although I will say about that, Cho Chang, supposed to be Cedric's missus. I Not cried really. more watching movies than she did losing her boyfriend. That's <laughs> terrible. I think I cried losing him more than she did. She, we know what she wanted, really. Yeah, she was all about the boy who lived. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, with the spirits that come out, it's are we really supposed to believe that's the only people Voldemort's killed? I don't understand. It's the last ones, the last ones he killed. So but how the- far back do we go? Up until the plot decided it, I think. Yeah, up until Harry's dad, and then they're like, no, nah, I've not asked by anyone before that. Maybe it was a combination of the last people he's killed versus Harry's wand who he wants to see. I don't know, some bullshit. Yeah, I know yeah. in the in the book you see Peter Pettigrew's hand as well because that was one of the last spells. Mm. So you see his hand floated about or some shit, I don't know. Um, I'd, but... I'd love to know what the hell was going through poor old Frank's man. He'd just come back and was like, well, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Like I'd love to know what Frank's thinking at that point because he ain't got a clue what's going on. He oh know. yeah, he would have to. Does he turn up in the book? I can't remember. Yeah, oh. Frank's there, like, and he's just—I think he just stood there, like, what the fuck's this? Like, <laughs> where's the afterlife? And why am I stuck here? <laughs> why is this hand floating about? But yeah, it was—I liked that. Um, and then they revealed that Moody wasn't Moody. Yeah, which I think's done differently in the book. Whereas obviously in the film, he just asks about the graveyard, which. Um, Harry hadn't let slip yet, and but just seconds before that, we see him obviously struggling, like because the apologies portions ran out and he's got none left. So it was already hinted before we let the comment to Harry, which I think it would have been more effective. I think if it had dawned on us as it dawned on Harry, yeah, because right? we'd seen it seconds before that there was something wrong with him, and then it's after that Harry not realizes. But um, I think that's a, it, overall. I think it's a it's a strong reveal, and it's not one the first time you watch, especially as a kid that. Saw coming at all? No, I didn't. I didn't see it coming, and you kind of you feel betrayed as well. Yeah, and it always throws me that in the next film he's just there, and you're like, "What? Nobody's got no hang ups." Like I, we all know it wasn't him, but it's like you'd still be a bit like, oh, "I don't like this, creepy as fuck." Um, but so we're we just gonna put this at the top. I think we have to, but I will <laughs> say before we stop. How the hell Mad Eye Moody isn't even more mad after spending uh, what could be ten months locked in a fucking thing? Like you'd have gone bonkers. Yeah, he seems more sane in the later films. Like still yeah. mad, obviously, but he seems way more sane. Like Barty Crouch Junior was way more mad than Mad Eye Moody. Well, then he again, lost his mind like a year. Surely he's got but... lost his mind. The the bit where he uh, turns Draco into a like a ferret and just chucking him about, love it. Um, but funny. yeah, so currently, current standing, we've got Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire at the top with Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the Philosopher's Stone, and then Chamber of Secrets. Um, how do you feel about the Order of the Phoenix? Um, I think this is my least favourite one. Well, this Battle Royale turned out to be really easy. <laughs> Why do you agree? I hate Order of the Phoenix, it's Grace's <laughs> favourite. I hate it. So yeah, boring. I'm not big on that one, I'm really not. So boring. Yeah, I think it's dull. I think um, the introduction of Umbridge is really well done. And yeah. the portrayal was 
incredible to the point where a lot of people hated him more than Voldemort uh, somehow. I don't know. Don't know sure how Dark Lord who kills everyone and mean teacher added up. Obviously, later on in the series, we see she's far worse than we thought. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, the beginning's good. I think when the Dementors show up at Privet Drive and attack Harry and Dudley, that's just really well done. Um, the ending is really good, where they're all in the Ministry of the... Is it the Hall of Prophecies or something like that, I think it's called? I will say, yeah, the... As much as it's my least favourite, it does have one of the best fights, and that's Dumbledore and Voldemort in the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, that that's is... really well done. That was like... It was... It's essentially what I think we believed Yoda and Darth Sidious would have been in Revenge of the Sith. Where it's like, do you know what? Do you know how we, you always pick on me and I always pick on you, and you always say we're not really, we argue a lot. You said a couple of things today, and it's like I was literally just about to fucking say that. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean that's worrying for me. I've got street cred <laughs> to live up to. <laughs> but no, it is like you see these two wizards who were like, everyone always said Voldemort was the only wizard you were scared of was Dumbledore. So to see them two go at like just to really throw essentially throw hands, but not obviously not hands, like to just go toe to toe, and it was just so impressive. Um, and putting that with the showdown with everyone when the whole order showed up and Sirius was there and everyone was... And Sirius was, like, laughing um, whilst he was fighting and stuff and then obviously losing him. I think it starts and ends really well. My issue is just everything in between. It's dull. Agreed. Agreed. I really dislike Sirius's death. Which, what, just the way he falls into the thing? He just kind of gets hit and then just floats away and it's like, oh, he's gone. Yeah, I think... The way he, it's weird because when he's hit, he's still, it's like he's been shot. He's not dead. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. first he's like shot, whereas everyone else is instant death. So I don't know why they just changed the rules for him to make it a bit yeah. more dramatic. Everyone else just dies instantly. Like Cedric weren't looking about when he got hit, like, oh, fuck. He just went. That, and I'm sure in the books they explain what that gateway is. And in the films, it's just kind of like, this is a, it's thing. just kind of there. And it just, is it sucking his soul out? Is it, does it instant kill him? Is he teleported and now he's fine? It didn't really, it doesn't hit. It's not got the emotional impact that, I mean, Cedric Diggory had a massive emotional impact. I had more emotional attachment to Cedric than I do. And I know it's part of the problem of following the books because the books are bigger, so you can spend a lot more time. But in the films, you've got Sirius's crusty face in a fireplace and it, it's, it's not, you're not really, I don't feel attached to him because he wasn't in the fourth one, not really. And he's only in the fifth one a little bit. Oh, no, that was in the fourth one, the, the face in the fireplace, wasn't it? But in the fifth one, not a lot. You don't see him that much. Just the bit at the beginning when all the uh, Dumbledore's army is together. And um, I, I didn't feel a connection. So when he died just by fading away, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the big deal. I think it could have been if it was handled differently. Um, I got more. I got more emotionally disturbed by. Is it? It is that one with. Um, yeah, it's uh, the Weasley. The Weasley dad who gets put. Yeah, in he gets attacked by, by a snake. Yeah. snake. Which is another reason this movie sucks because in the book they go to visit him in the hospital. Another I'm reason sure. this movie sucks. I think. I think that's the one where they go to visit him in the hospital. I'm going to get yeah. my books wrong, but they go to the hospital, and that's when they. I'm sure they find out about Neville's mum and dad yeah, being tortured like and. Gilroy Lockhart's there. Yeah. Which Who the fuck been... decided not to bring him back? I don't know, because that would have been fantastic. 
so you yeah, cut, you cut out the stuff with Neville, and you cut out that subplot of the chosen, the second, who really was the chosen one kind of thing, and that would have made more interesting film, and it would have at least given it a bit more. But of course, they want the main character to be the hero; they don't want any doubt about it. So I think that might have been the reason why it was cut. But film with good bits, but not a strong film in my eyes. Though, yeah, like we said, that the powerhouse fight between Voldemort and Dumbledore is second to none in the Harry Potter films. It really is still one of the better ones. I think the, one of the reasons I dislike it as much is because it really leans in on the the chosen one and the prophecy stuff. Um, and it just, it's just boring. It's just boring. Yeah. It's just boring to me. I agree. Um, I also but think it makes... That- it makes Malfoy and that out to be like comedic characters at this point. Like the whole bit where they're like running through the Hogwarts trying to find them and it shows them like commit like it's the the goofy the running is like when they were filch and they're like looking around, it's all really goofy and it just no. Which isn't great considering what he has to do in the next film. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's just it feels way off tone for him. Um Yeah, I think that the Dumbledore Voldemort duel is probably the peak. That's as good as it ever got for like those sorts of duels. I think in Harry in the Harry Potter world, I think it was far better than the one between like Harry and Voldemort at the end. Like that's what that should have been. I think. Like I don't, but, I don't mind like ones attaching and having that like Ghostbusters thing, but you had all the rest. Like when Dumbledore summons up that massive fire creature and. That amazing bit where Voldemort just kind of screams and all the glass just shatters and flies off. It's, it's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it out. It's phenomenal. Um, it, it's just really good. And but just let it down by. I can't. Don't think I can stress it enough. A fucking boring movie. Yeah. Although I do like the end when, um, Fudge shows up and sees Voldemort after he's been criticizing yeah. Dumbledore all movie, saying that they've lost it. It's not true. And then he sees him. He's like. Oh shit! And then like immediately fucking resigns. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a film that's needed for what comes after, but it's not necessarily a film that I need to watch. Like on a, on a rewatch, I'm like, I don't need. I can be playing on my phone for this one. Yeah, I don't need. To, I don't really want to need or want to be paying attention either. Um, I will say though the the stuff with Snape helping Harry with the memories and like um. I think it's called Occlumency. Um Stop trying to be cool. Oh, I think it's Occlumency. You know what it's no, called. Is that is that is that is, is that one hundred percent correct? That's yeah. pretending to be cool. I know what it's called. Oh yeah, now I'm pretending to be cool. But when I say parcel mouth, apparently that's wrong. So fuck it's yourself, wrong. First of I'm all. googling it. While you're talking, I'm googling it. But I'm not. I'm not having this hang over me for it. I'll apologise on it. That'd be fantastic. I hope you do. Um, but yeah, parcel tongue. <laughs> oh no, somebody who can speak it is a parcel mouth. There you go, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said, oh, I don't know what, I'm not getting into technicalities. I said parcel mouth. I was right, as always. Boom. <laughs> and now I can't remember what my original point was. Okay. It's bad. I mean, it's not bad. The documentary op- op- stuff. Oh, yeah, that stuff was interesting Um, with Snape. Have, forcing Snape and Harry to spend all that time working together alone as well. It was like, Quite interesting to see like the way the characters dealt with that, and you got an insight into Snape a little bit more. Which I think the fourth one 
was severely lacking. I think he there were several characters in there that took a major step back through because of the the trial as a tournament. I think Snape was one of them. Whereas in this, I think they really put that focus back on him, and I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, other than that, it was pants. So is it better or worse than Goblet of Fire? Worse. Prisoner of Azkaban. Worse. Lost with Stone. Worse. <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. Better. Now worse. <laughs> Bottom. No spoilers, Next. but I think we might have at least our worst one. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this next one is someone, someone that might. I don't know actually, because the Hoffler Prince has got again. It's it's a stronger, more solid film, but it's more about the individual moments than the entire film as a whole for me, anyway. Um, but I always end up talking about the film first, so this time you can go ahead and talk about Hoffler Prince first. Yeah, I think this is one where I really, really enjoyed the book. And like, I really, really, I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed the Half-Blood Prince book. The film, I think, was significantly worse for me. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but I feel like as they went along, the majority of them got worse for me. And this one, I didn't enjoy that much. Um, I like the stuff with uh, Voldemort and Harry and Dumbledore working together and looking into like, his former relationship with Voldemort and how he tried to help him when he was younger. And the stuff with the Horcrux, um, which isn't really explained until, until towards the end, is quite well done. Um, I'm really, I don't really know about this one. But it's hinted out throughout the film, though, isn't it? Like, when you see him in the Pontive at the beginning, like, Dumbledore's, uh, Voldemort's got, like, seven stones on his window and, and all that. It's small hints throughout. Um but you've got Jim Broadbent as Slughorn. Yeah, bro- Slughorn was really good. I like Slughorn. That's another. That's another character, kind of the opposite to, the complete opposite to um, Lockhart, and taking a bit of inspiration from Lupin, where it's a clearly tormented character, but he's such a. He's got that Gilderoy Lockhart like charm, and he's lovely, and he's sweet and innocent. But there's a torture, and the scene when he finally gives it up is some of the best acting in this. It is it, how ashamed he is of what he did, and he blames it. You can clearly see he blames everything on himself. Um, the same way me or you wouldn't if anything went wrong. Um, no, he, I'm a pass the book kind of guy. I uh, can never do anything wrong in my life ever because I'm pretty much uh, the perfect human being. So whatever. Uh, just like you are, mate. We're, yeah, we're both. Do I, we're that's both it. Yeah. With Thames. Um, but he like the hundred percent takes on that guilt and it it really shows and have that building up throughout the film as well as who is the half blood prince, because you hundred you are expected hundred percent to be Voldemort again. And for it to be Snape was like I remember reading the book and being like, fuck. Even though it's clearly who it is, when you the more if you think about it, as soon as you realise who it who it is, you go, ah oh, shit, yeah, it's potion master. Of course it's gonna be fucking Snape. But you're obviously led to believe it's Voldemort the entire way through. Yeah, I think that, that running mystery of the Half Blood Prince and like um who that might be and how the book influences Harry and we see it like the negative repercussions it has when he fights Draco in the bathroom, he kind of fucks him up using oh, one yeah. of the Half of Prince's spells and stuff like that. It's really well done. Uh, and I I like the reveal because, like you said, it would have been so 
easy for it to have just been Voldemort again. Like everything that happens, it seems to have Voldemort or Harry. There's nothing, no in between. So having Snape be the half of the prince was really, I think that was a smart idea. Um, mm. And I think this is probably the best his character ever was for me. Um, the whole reveal at the end, like the way he steps up and, and takes the thing from Draco when he's facing off with Dumbledore and he takes responsibility. And at the time, we just think he's an evil motherfucker who's betrayed him. But as the movies go on, we find out otherwise. But that whole showdown at the end and then when Harry's chasing him and he fucking just like kicks his ass. He's like, you, I think he says something like, you dare use my own spells against me, boy, or something. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I am the half prince. It's fucking awesome. Like, that's the best I think Snape ever looked. I mean, obviously, he's not really a villain, but if he was, he'd be a badass fucking villain. Agreed. And one person we didn't mention in the Order of the Phoenix, which is a highlight of Order of the Phoenix, um, but again, shines in this movie, Bellatrix Lestrange, Helen mm. uh, Bonham Carter. I can't believe we didn't mention Bellatrix. We what? spoke about Sirius dying and didn't even mention the woman that did it. What the fuck are we thinking? But <laughs> what a character. Like, talk about perfect casting. And she really shines. Um, at the end, obviously, in Order of the Phoenix, she's got that I killed Sirius back as she's uh, doing stuff. But as they've walked away after they've killed Dumbledore, she's just blowing shit up again. Fucking nuts. Love her. I can fix her. <laughs> she's terrifying. Like, she. There's there's a there's an evilness about Voldemort that feels controlled, where she just feels undeniably insane, and like she's, she just yeah. wants to cause chaos. And I think she, as a result, I think she's actually scarier than Voldemort in many ways, especially to me. Like because you don't, she's unpredictable, and like she's just burning the fuck out of Hagrid's cabin. Like what's that man do? It's like that um, Fifty Cent meme. Hagrid's just like, why say fuck me for? <laughs> Like he just he's just chilling somewhere. What's she doing? Like terrorizing well, the is, She is like the Joker or the Harley Quinn to Voldemort's Razar Ghoul, isn't she? She's and obviously you've got Snape's Two Face because that's a clever little pun there. Uh, but she is just unhinged, and there's no like, there's no tortured soul. There's no um forcing this position. There's no if I don't do this, then I. I lose everything. It's just I want to fuck shit and I'm gonna fuck shit. And she does it uh, really, really good in this movie. Um, there's not a lot. I'm gonna say there's not a lot about um, Half Blood Prince that's memorable, but the fucking Dumbledore dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big moment, funnily enough. Yeah, that was really well done, actually. I thought. Um, I also think. The story arc for Malfoy in that film is really well done. And I think that's probably Tom Felton's best performance. Like the anguish that he displays throughout, and like he's got this massive weight on his shoulders and he knows what he has to do, but he doesn't want to do it. Like I think he's really well I, I think his acting is incredible in that one. It's yeah, it's a talk it's a it's really like these next last four films are really like who's the most tortured soul <laughs> in the franchise. And from beginning to end, you see he's He's a manipulated, manipulated and abused kid at the end of the day who's like, if you don't do this, we lose everything. We don't have a mansion anymore. We don't have anything. And obviously in the later films, you can you can see it more that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do it. And this one is really at the point where you can tell the thumb is really, truly pressed down. And it's a huge turning point for him. And it's really clever at the end, obviously, what Snape does and that he can't do it. Um, leading up to Dumbledore's death. And you kind of, 
after you've watched them all or know the story of all of it, you kind of go back and go, how much... We all know that Dumbledore was manipulating Harry to a degree, but how much was he also manipulating Draco? Like, how much did he let Draco do and how much did he let Draco be tricked with Dumbledore's own manipulation? So it's a bit sad, really, if you think about Draco, especially with the movies, because the movies did him dirty in the end. But, like, he is just the person that's been tortured and manipulated into this big game. And he's just a, what is it, that, what is it, the... Is it the sixth? So it'll be 16, 17 year old. And 16, 17, I was emotionally fragile. I, mean, I wouldn't have been able to put up with all that shit, especially, you know, if I was being told to kill my headmaster. Well, I actually probably would have done that. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's a great, it's a great characterization. And Dumbledore's death is one of the saddest parts of all the franchise, obviously, because you've got such a connection to him. And obviously, it spouted that. What people do now, anytime an actor, Harry Potter actor dies, it's about the ones in the hair, um, legacy of everything. And it's such a dour ending with a little bit of positivity, but it's such a dour ending. Yeah, I think what I said about Cedric Diggory's passing and how it showed that even like competent wizards weren't safe. The Dumbledore one, it was like, it, it really just signaled that we were in shit now. Like, it felt like he was untouchable in a sense, like he was too powerful. Um, and I felt like there was all Harry always had him on his side. It was never really backed against the wall type of situation with Voldemort. Like you got Dumbledore on your side, you you you've always got a good chance. And I think it wasn't until this moment when they killed Dumbledore, it was like jobs well and truly fucked. Like what we're doing now, like no one knows. And it felt like the situation had just gone from one extreme to another, and everything just got ten times. More, I think, interesting in the sense that once Dumbledore went, it was like, okay, so literally anyone can go now. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew it was close to the end. I think it hurts more knowing the film before you see him as such a fucking, like I said, a powerhouse. And this one, it's, we know what happens, but in the moment, it's, oh shit, I've been betrayed. And then that's it. You've caught me at my weakest. And you obviously, the way the film plays it is, they obviously knew this is when I'd be my weakest. You obviously knew this is when you'd be able to get me, and it's all been manipulated from Voldemort's perspective. So you're thinking Voldemort's a fucking he is a player and he can he can play the game massively. Um but yeah, Dumbledore's always one step ahead, even if it means dying. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, so, it's fine. <laughs> it was fine. So would you say half of Prince? <laughs> Better or worse than Goblet of Fire? Fucking much worse. Well, I just think yeah, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, we would have a fucking argument if we tried to say <laughs> that. Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, I think it's worse. Okay. Philosopher's Stone. Worse. Chamber of Secrets. Worse. I think it's better than Chamber of Secrets. Oh, what? <laughs> because it's it's again like. Chamber of Secrets feels like a continuation of the first movie. Three, four, and five, well, five kind of different, but three, four, and five feel like its own separate blog. And then this movie kind of feels like, right, now we're turning, we're shifting gears again. And this is, now we're running towards the end game. No, that's sorry, that's a different franchise. We're running towards the Deathly Hallows. And um, it's it's setting up all the pieces on the on the board ready to be knocked down in the next film 
And I think it does it all really emotionally and with a maturity than that the other films don't do. Like I understand where you get where you're coming from because Chamber of Secrets is such a it's still got that whimsical nature to it. But I think Half Blood Prince really tackles a lot of stuff and does so. Like you say, it, it changes it changes the game all of a sudden. Anybody can fucking go. Um, Harry's on his own now. It ends the film with him saying, "I'm that's it. I'm going on my own to find the to find the Deathly Hallow." It lit, it's literally a setup. It's it's more of an Infinity War to me than Deathly Hallows Part One is to Deathly Hallow Part Two's Endgame. Um, it really just yeah, and so I feel like we're gonna have an argument. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, no, I don't think <laughs> this one's. I don't know, man. Like you even said, like there's not many memorable moments in that film, apart from okay. Dumbledore. Uh, your words were not many memorable <laughs> moments in this film. And then you went, oh, oh wait, Dumbledore died. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, fair play. No, you, I just think you've got me there. There's there are obviously some good moments. I think it's it's a it's a fine movie. I think and the. Half of Prince stuff I really enjoy seeing Voldemort's like backstory and his relationship with Dumbledore in the past. It was well done. And um, Slughorn was fine, although I, that whole Slughorn, the club he has was weird as hell. Not sure what was going on there. Um, I don't know. There was there was things at our school where it was like, right, yeah, you're invited, but you're not. I'm like, oh, okay, cheers. By a teacher, that you probably report that. <laughs> Well, I went to part of it, so I was more upset that I went to part of it. <laughs> but, like, I think the beginning, because obviously every all the movies, there's always that one, there's always that little period before they go back to school, and for the most part, they're all really well done. Like, the Marge blow, blow, blowing up was funny as hell. I think Dobby showing up was great. I think um, the Quidditch World Cup was great. Um, and this one, I just... I don't, the, the, the Dementors in five was great, and this I think the opening to this one was really lackluster. Um, when they go to see Slughorn, Harry meet Dumbledore and go see him, like it's just really boring. Um, and I just don't think it's as entertaining a movie as Chamber of Secrets. I think it's it's obviously more intricate, and the actual story, the nuances and stuff is more. It's it's a lot more advanced than Chamber of Secrets for good reason. It's aimed at an, um, an older audience, but I just don't think it's anywhere near as entertaining. I'll concede, because you got me on the uh, memorable moments bit. But yeah, you set yourself up for that one. But is it better or worse than Order of the Phoenix? Oh, it's better than that. Oh, there we go, then. That's all right, then. <laughs> Fuck Order of the Phoenix. Sorry, Grace. Fuck it. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get it in the neck for... I, I know that's probably going to end up at the bottom, and I'm going to end up getting it in the neck for it. For the... <laughs> Rather you well, than me. Yeah, well, I'll give you an under. Uh, right. <laughs> so this is the this is the big two uh, that it ends on, and it was so big of a story that they couldn't keep it in one movie. So it was the first time Harry, uh, one of the Harry Potter books got split into into two movies. So we've got obviously Deathly Hallows Part One and Deathly Hallows Part Two. Uh, very um, originally named. Um, so, how, so definitely, how this part one is how I felt about Half Blood Prince, but it is set up after set up after set up, ready for the big battle at the end. Um, people call it Harry Potter's Infinity War. I disagree. Um, but how 
do you feel about part one? Because I really like part one. Yeah, I think because obviously I read the book first, it was quite difficult. And at that point, we weren't used to seeing films split. I think Harry Potter actually started that trend where like different oh. franchises after that started splitting movies into two different parts. We didn't um, need two Twilight movies. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Breaking Dawn needs me to, Christ. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I think the opening was fucking awesome. Everyone turning into, taking the Paul portion and turning into Harry. And um, the high-speed chase, I think it was so well shot that, like everyone going through the, uh, on the, Death, where they going to the borough, weren't they? Um, yeah. And everyone like trying to avoid the Death Eaters on like the different brooms and stuff. Um, I'm just being chased like the high speed chase was so good and losing Hedwig first devastating absolutely yeah. devastating yeah and then losing Mo- uh, Mad-Eye Moody but not even to a sense that he really knew that he was just gone went. yeah just gone. Um, it was it was as, as good an opening as you like The it was the way it was set up it was like oh this is the stakes are really fucking high because usually the openings are a little slower. They're a lot less intense. It's just more like setting like the pace for the rest of the movie. Whereas this one, it was like, no, the action's here now and yeah. we're, we're fucking going. Um, and it was really good. Like, I think what hurts the movie is there is no real ending because it's only the first half of... do love the book. ending, though. It's when he gets the older one, isn't it? Yeah. And he, like, pulls open Dumbledore's grave and it's... It's visually, it's a nice little cliffhanger and it's very eerie. But yeah, you kind of, I mean, that's the point of the part one. But I, I don't think I've ever watched them. Oh, I'm going to watch part one and then watch part two next week. I don't think I've, I've only ever watched them as one, as mm. one movie. Um, but yeah, at the time it was like, it's a cool little cliffhanger, but it's not like a huge, huge thing. It comes after all of the stuff at the um, Malfoy Mansion, all that, all that business, doesn't it? Um, which is really good. Uh, with that boy Dobby dying, which would have, again, would have had more of an impact if it was if he was in more than just two movies. Yeah, I think the decision not to include him in others was bonkers because obviously Especially he's in more the books. Yeah, it's just he disappears for f- how many years are between those two movies? Like nine, ten, like. I reckon Chamber of Secrets must have been like 2001 and then... Well, it was there was, one, was one every year, wasn't it? So it was like only a couple of years, really. They, they did one, I'm sure they released one film every year. No, I feel like Chamber of Secrets must have been like 2001. And... Let's see how good your Google brain is and that your parcel map is now. <laughs> Harry Potter movies. This is where we're like, are we that good at movies? Because we're having to Google them. So Death House Part 1 was 2010. Part two was 2011. When did you say Chamber of Secrets was? 2001. Oh, 2002. Oh, I was close, but then so it's eight years. So it was one year gap between between the first and the second, a two year gap between the second and the third, one between three and four, two between four and five, two between five and six, and then one between Half the Prince and that. That's so it was about eight years between Dobby's appearances. <laughs> All of that just to figure out how long it's been since we'd seen Dobby. But yeah, yeah. and it just feels like it, if he was more present in, especially Goblet of Fire, where the elf stuff was, house elf stuff was fully cut, it would have had, but it still got me. It still, I 
still shed a tear. It's a running joke between me and one of my friends that I cried at the cinema. And I always admit that I don't. But of course I did. It was very emotional. Um, if you cried, you can't imagine what I'd have been like. Um, <laughs> you cried at Mamma Mia too. Fucking right, I did. Sam and Donna, that's an emotional reunion. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think... We'll be on to Mamma Mia a different day. I can't be honest with that shit today. <laughs> yeah, but um, the Dobby stuff was emotional. I think the Wormtail stuff was well done. Mm. It's been misinterpreted, though. I think people think he died some heroic death when I think he hesitated for a, a split second. It wasn't like he sacrificed himself. He didn't have a fucking choice. Yeah. Um, I like the stuff with the, the main trio, like, Camping. in hiding in, like, the woods yeah. and stuff, and the strain it takes on the friendship, and it's largely due to, like, the necklace and Ron's jealousy. I think that's all good. And also just the scene between Harry and Hermione when they have that slow dance, because I feel like you very rarely get that closeness between those two Sean like it's yeah. always Harry and Ron and obviously Ron and Hermione have the event like the love story thing going on and it's very rare that you see Harry and Hermione bond as close like as closely as they should considering how long they've been friends there's there's yeah. not a lot of time where they're just together alone whereas that scene it, I think it was quite moving Um the stuff in the cafe when they first oh, the was great. really well done yeah I liked yeah. that um, I like the wedding to be honest I think that was great I remember yeah. in the book I can't even remember if it's exactly the same in the film I remember in the book and the chapter ends and it was after Scrimmager had given the gift from Dumbledore and left and then Kingsley Shacklebolt shows up and he says something like oh the ministry is no I think he says like Scrimmager's dead the ministry has fallen they're coming or something and he, even in the book I was like goosebumps I was like shit I don't want to turn the page fuck <laughs> and I can't remember if it's exactly the same in the film but that moment I think is huge and it just felt so like, like is it it's like a ball of light isn't it and everything goes quiet yeah. and it's like pulsating and talking and yeah, it's just it's, dead it's his in. voice saying that that scrimmage so was in. dead and the ministry, like... saying the ministry had fallen I was like oh fuck yeah yeah you've got all the stuff with the um, um, the polyjuice potion again where they change into the uh, the other bits and Ron gets Ron gets roped into trying to help his wife, which is just comedy gold the entire way. The the people who acted um, as the the trio, um, great and going into Gringotts and uh, escaping that way. All everybody says it's the slowest movie, but there's so much that happens. You've got the you know the tale of the the Deathly Hallows that it's done in that really almost Tim Burton esque. Um, animation style, which I, I every time that bit comes up, even if I've got my phone, that bit comes up, drop it. I love that bit because they had the balls to do something a little bit different in what is what was at the time one of the biggest films to release. And all the way through the movie, no matter how slow, and is it, it's that, yeah, it's that one where, you know, the fuck it, I hate it. It's so creepy with uh, they go to meet. Bethilda Bagshot. Yeah. And it's it's really the Godric's the, Hollow. Yeah, and it's really the, which is another nice scene because he sees his parents' grave, but he it's really Nagini the snake in her body, and he fucking comes out of it and then tags it. A really great bit where they knock through the knocks through the room and goes into that kid's room and it's snakes just bashing about. It's there's so much in that film that's so well done. And it annoys me that people say, "Oh, it's this. It's just a build-up. It's just a slow build-up film." All the way leading up to Harry returning to um, 
No, no, that's the that's the second one. I'm getting confused. I'm getting myself confused. Wait, is that is what happens with the snake in the second film or the first film? I'm pretty sure it's the first because Ron's not back with him. Yeah, Ron's not there, is he? And of course, but, you've um, all, all the stuff in the forest with the 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 massively anticipated at the time uh, naked kiss that was talked about more than the 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 film itself was talked about. And it was a disappointment. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, and the Patronus coming to help, yeah. and then it, the, obviously we get the reveal in the end that it was Snaves. So it was really well done. Is it this one as well that at the opening they kill, they have the Muggle Studies teacher hovering above the table, and then they feed her to the snake, Voldemort, and that? Oh, I can't remember if that's the first one or the second one. Barbara that West shit's really good, dark. Yeah. One of my biggest fears in the world. It's an, it's one of those like um, doesn't really make it's sense. Like- it's uh, yeah, it is in the first one because this. I think it is the I think it's the first one because later on in the yeah because it all takes place in the Malfoy mansion, doesn't it? Yeah, and <laughs> one of my biggest fears in the world, which doesn't quite make sense, but it is, is being eaten by a snake. I hate yeah. all that. That shit's terrifying. That's. I mean, I think I don't think anybody's not scared of that. I just don't think it's something that you really need to worry about, really. But that scene, it gives oh, it's horrible. Like just the thought of being eaten by a snake, I'm like, no, oh, no chance. Um, but yeah, I like that one. So in terms of ranking Death of Hallows Part One, is it one that you rank high, rank low? Do you think? Uh, I think it'll be a little higher than <laughs> the shit we've had to listen to. Watch. <laughs> so. Higher or lower than Goblet of Fire? Lower. Prisoner of Azkaban? Lower. Philosopher's Stone? Higher. I hate that we agree on it. I, I, wanted, to, to, I wanted to argue more. I thought that yeah, was... Yeah, it's going to be a real debate. I want, apparently, we picked the one franchise we seem to be on the same page about. <laughs> yeah, we did. So, Deathly Hallows Part 2 going above Philosopher's... Part yeah, one. I mean... Part one. Yeah, we've not talked about part two yet. Um, part one going above Philosopher's Stone. Like, I love Philosopher's Stone. Um, but, yeah, there's something about Technology Part One that just feels really special. It just really feels like, I don't know how to put it, like methodical throughout the movie. It pays off in the third one, but the third one focuses more on a big battle. The second one, so it focuses more on a big battle. Um, which we'll talk about now. So Deathly Hallows Part 2, um, obviously the big focus of that is the Battle of Hogwarts, the final stand of, of um, Voldemort, the d- destruction of the rest of them and last of the Horcruxes, which brought them back to Hogwarts because obviously the final film, if it didn't take place in Hogwarts, it wouldn't have made sense. It's really the only place you could have done it. Um, how do you feel about Deathly Hallows Part 2? I think it's a fine film. I just think it's it doesn't quite live up to the book for me. Um, I think the battle and what they chose to show and what they chose to miss out is really disappointing. Um, for me, one of the most emotional moments in the entire series is Fred Weasley's death. Yeah. Uh, and the way they don't even show that is... I, I don't understand the logic behind that at all. Like, it's... it's a- there's a lot about part two that I don't understand. Like Ron's girlfriend from the fifth one, like you see her being eaten by the Lavender Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you see them getting eaten. That's the like, sixth one, by the way. Sixth one. Who the fuck? 
Uh, Talking to a Harry Potter super, super fan now. I know oh, Parcel yeah. Mouth. Slughorn's, Slughorn's potion, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it's just kind of like, it lingers on the shot for a second and then you don't really kind of see any kind of reper repercussions. The only people you kind of get to be upset about are the Weasleys. You don't really see anybody grieving. Even like Lupin and Tonks, like it's one panning shot and then it's done. Nobody yeah, really there's grieved. not a lot of time on it. Even like from the second film, that Colin Creevy kid with the the camera, he he's back in that last in that fight and dies. And there's these you wouldn't know. Sure. Okay. That's what I mean. I feel like a lot more for the for, for the years in the franchise it's built up. Again, and I get it because it's called Harry Potter and the, but there's so much focus placed on Harry, Ron, and Hermione. But after building, it's hot. It's it, it's unfair to compare it to Endgame, considering Endgame is a beast on its own, and it's very very different to Harry Potter franchise. But for all like to build this all up, there should have been one, at least not one scene, but a good chunk of that final battle dedicated to seeing how everybody fights, seeing everybody struggle, seeing everybody's payoff, seeing people's deaths, giving them that time, giving them their moments, and these moments. There are moments like that, like you get to see uh, Molly Weasley beat Bellatrix, uh, which is a great, great moment. Like, um, it was it's get get away from her, you bitch. Yeah, something like that. Alien Two, Aliens uh, moment, and Professor McGonagall doing the best scene in the entire film where she brings down the guard and says, "Oh, I always wanted to do that." Um, I love that bit in the film. It's my favorite bit. Um, and you get small moments, but for a film franchise that's built up on all of these different teachers, all of these different students, it's from Order of the Phoenix really built up that the students have started to fight back. You don't, re other than Neville, you don't really see it. And that's really a disappointment. The biggest disappointment of the Deathly Hallows, I'm saying, keep saying disappointments. I actually quite like the film. Um, but the biggest disappointment is Draco. Like, after all of that, his ending is to run away with his mum. When I'm pretty sure in the book he fights, he helps Harry fight back. I think so. Like I said, it's been a long time since I read the book, so I'm not 100% positive when I say this. But, yeah, the Draco stuff, is a, it's a disappointing payoff in the end. Um, the scene in the Room of Requirement, um, is it the Room of Requirement where everything's exploded and yeah. the... Um, Slytherin student died, so I kind of remember because in the book it's supposed to be Crab or Goyle, mm. I can't remember which one, but they didn't bring them back for the film. Um, well, got caught with drugs, that's why. Yeah, I think one of them was you got kind of London riots, I think. Yeah, crazy. Oh, yikes. But um, yeah, the Draco stuff was a little disappointing after the great job they'd done in Half Blood Prince. Um, I think the way they finished things with that character was very anticlimactic. I think Voldemort's death and the way they change it from the book where he dies like a human to this supernatural sort of death is very disappointing as well because the whole point of his death in the books is he died in the worst way possible for him and that's powerless and just yeah. like anyone else. And I think they, they, that was the whole point of the death. So I think changing that didn't really make sense either. Um, I think there's still, there's, there, I mean, there is still a lot of great stuff in the film, like, you know, the bits in the forest. Like, I will never get over Hagrid carrying Harry's supposedly dead body. Um, that is 
that's heart wrenching watching Robbie Coltrane's performance there. I I really like um oh, I can't remember the name of the character. Uh, well Draco's mum, like nice nice sister. Yeah, that's why he won the trivia game. No, no, you didn't win the trivia I game. Didn't you did apparently? Maybe you win against me. Maybe you win against me. Maybe that's an episode we should do. We just play Trivial Pursuit. Um, uh, like her turning on everybody just to make sure her son's safe. Like like keeping Harry, letting him fake it. And I, yeah, it's it's a really good film let down by a lot of disappointing moments that could have happened. Like we could have seen the house elves if it was set up in Goblet of Fire, you could have seen the house elves fighting. And you saw like spiders and, and trolls and stuff, but you didn't really get the payoff that you expected. It was really all about what's Harry doing, what's Hermione doing, what's Ron doing. And, you know, they, all those bits were were cool. You know, Professor McGonagall fighting Snape in the, um, in the Great Hall and having him very cleverly deflect spells to defeat other people and all that. We're not even talking about Snape's reveal. No, we haven't, to be fair. That was well done as well. I liked that. Yeah. And how it all finally, at the end, connected everything together and and really tied everything up. And you look back at it and go, oh, fuck, yeah, of course. That makes so much sense now. And like I said, with Prisoner of Azkaban, it, <clears throat> I finally had puberty. Like I said, with Prisoner of Azkaban, if you hadn't have had that moment where he stepped in front of him, none of that would have paid off. So that was a, that was a really good bit of payoff. And but yeah, I mean, Death Harry's got some great visuals. The bit where he grabs them and they're flying, and the faces kind of merge for a bit of for a bit of metaphorical um, imagery. But overall, more of a dissatisfying conclusion for me. Ultimately, yeah, I just think that final battle left a lot to be desired. Um, don't get me wrong; it was it wasn't bad, but. I think with the way part one had set things up, I felt like it was going to be epic. Yeah, I thought we were going to get much better. And like I said, just the decision to just like Lupin and Tonks deaths aren't even aren't shown in the book either. So that bit wasn't too bad. But I think the lack of relevance their death seemed to hold, like just the fact it was a blink and you'll miss it shot. And then not even seeing um, Fred's death, which in the book is one of the best, like, moments in the entire um, battle because he's obviously he's joking with Percy when they're doing it, like they're having a laugh as brothers. Oh, yeah. Percy not having any really role in any of the films outside of the first one is such a shame. Yeah, I think his arc is one of the most satisfying in the books to, to lean so heavily towards the ministry and then eventually come back around and join his family in the end. And like I said, be by Fred's side when Fred is uh, killed. I don't understand the logic not to show it. How do you feel about the final battle between Harry and Voldemort, with it just being another Ghostbuster-style proton packs hitting each other? And the the I, I don't get why it does it when they hit; it's like liquid bouncing off each other. It's a cool visual, but what I feel like once you introduced it in Goblet of Fire, that was the main kind of this is how two powerful people duke it out, and it's like this ain't Dragon Ball Z that did it cool. This is like. I know Harry's not the best wizard, but he should have pulled. There should have been some kind of echo of the Order of the Phoenix's fight in in that final fight, but it wasn't. It was just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then he goes flaking away. 
Yeah, I think that's the issue with that final fight. Like, you can't show me a fight three films earlier that's as incredible as Dumbledore and Voldemort's is and not live up to it. Like, to go back to Star Wars again, that prequel trilogy, they really made sure they got it right with that final fight. So, like, regardless of your thoughts on the movies as a whole, that trilogy, which I know obviously is very mixed with people, but that, that fight on Mustafa, there's no denying it was incredible. They really pulled it out of the bag. Whereas the Harry Potter one, it, it felt once you've seen what they can do, like it doesn't make it didn't make sense to me why we didn't see even half of that. Like like you said, just a repeat of what they did in the Goblet of Fire. It, use some of your fucking half of Prince spells, lad. Cut him <laughs> up like you did to Dr- Draco. Do something different. I've had enough of this. I love I love I love the fact after all this. I mean, he probably should pay more attention at school than fucking about doing everything else. But he's still using Expelliarmus against. Uh... That's what I mean, I've been using that since book two, pal. Sort yourself out. And before we finish up, um, the most controversial part, I think, of the entire franchise that some people either stop, exit to the menu, and take out the DVD or they carry on and watch it is the epilogue where they all very legitimately and very convincingly look like adults, he says very sarcastically. How do you feel about that? Because I, 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 if I, if if I wasn't with Grace, I'd turn it off and I wouldn't watch that bit. Um, Grace doesn't like it, but still watches it because you have to watch one of the film, obviously. But how do you feel about it? Like, I hate it. It feels really cheesy to me. I think the way they do, he has to shoehorn in all these different names, like, oh look, we named these characters after these people. Fuck off. Enough of that. Like, what does he say? Like, Albus Severus or something. You are the Albus Severus, Dumbledore, the... Potter, or something. Yeah, like, like you are named after two of the bravest. Could you get more cringe, pal? Leave it out, man. Um... Yeah, it also felt like a bit like Draco was there, and obviously they're on better terms now. They're smiling, they wave, or whatever. But it would have been better if they had that after he joined him. Can you imagine the final scene where, like, I don't know, they're fighting Death Eaters or even fighting Draco's dad? I can't remember what it was in the book, but with Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Draco all stood shoulder to shoulder. And then you get the payoff as, as adults that you could see how close they were. And I don't know, it just feels like a missed opportunity. Like they didn't want to expand outside of the main trio. Yeah, and I just think it felt tacked on. I didn't need to see all that. Like in the book, I get it's there. It's, it is what it is. It's it's It was... The way the, it was nice the way they ended it by saying his scar hadn't hurt in all these years, everything was fine. But in the film, you don't really need that. Like, I didn't need to see crusty looking Daniel Radcliffe with looks like he hadn't really, slept in days. Really shit makeup. Like, they, they look like, and no offense to people who do it, but they just look like people who do like at school, like theater. And it's like, when you just look like an old lady, it's like, okay, I'm just going to put a few dark lines around my eyes. Yeah. Also, how many years is it supposed to be late? Like 19? It's got to be somewhere like that, 19, 20. So right now, it's 12 years after that film. Are you telling me in seven years, Daniel Radcliffe should look that much older than he did then? Because he doesn't look that much older right now. No, not really. Not really. You see, I see him in films and it's like, you're still just Harry Potter, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, no matter never, what you do... We'll never escape that, I don't think. We'll never escape it. So, Death of Hallows Part 2... Higher or lower than Goblet of Fire? Lower. Prisoner of Azkaban? Lower. Part 1? Lower. Philosopher's Stone? Lower. 
<laughs> Chamber of Secrets. Lower. Half the Prince. I'd say it's there. That's probably about right. Above Half the Prince. Above Half the Prince. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I want us to fight more, man. But I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to say it's like end this by saying I don't think any of the films are bad per se. Like I enjoyed them all, even oh, no. a tiny bit. But some of them just a hell of a lot more. Got some good stuff. Yeah, I think I just enjoyed some of them a hell of a lot more than others. Um, maybe we should do about maybe the Star Wars episode should be about Royale. Yeah, that'd be good. There'll be some controversial um, opinions there, I imagine. I will fight. Yeah, Phantom Menace number one. Let's go. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, I will fight you. Um, yeah, they're not. They're not bad. Like none of them are bad. They're all entertaining. They're not as bad as people make them out. You know, same with kind of like same with Star Wars or other things. People who don't like or haven't watched Harry Potter make out as if they're the worst fucking things ever made. Um, and they're not. They're really entertaining. It's. It's a showcase of British talent, one hundred percent. It's a showcase of British talent behind the behind the camera as well. Um, just going to Harry Potter Studios shows that like how much love and affection all these films have, and how much dedication has been put into it. Um, so, yeah. So the first Battle Royale, Harry Potter. If you didn't guess from the episode we just done, um, so starting at the bottom and working our way to the top, our lowest ranking film. Apologies, Grace, was Harry Potter in the Order of the Phoenix. I'm not surprised by that. No, to be honest, me neither. Um, followed by Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Um, mm. Then, with, above that, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the fourth from the bottom, which I was expecting to be a lot higher. Um, yeah, so was I, actually. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone number four in the rankings. So the top three is Deathly Hallows Part 1 at number three, The Prisoner of Azkaban at number two, and obviously, as soon as we started talking about it, we knew what was going to be number one. The Goblet of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire uh, at at number one. Feeling confident about those? Yeah, I think there was no question of what was number one was going to be. Uh, I, think, we see, I think we even said when we said should we do Harry Potter, I was like, well, it's Goblet of Fire. I don't, do you know what? I don't even think we said which one we both had number one. But I, I, I think I said, I've got one that I have a very strong favourite that I'm willing to argue. And I think you you said, yeah, same. And then we were like, it's probably the same one. Probably the fucking same <laughs> one. Was, yeah. If anything, what's this? If, if nothing else, this episode has proved that you think a lot more like me than you admit to. I know, and on that note, I'll be handing me noticing at work pronto. No one can see me again. <laughs> and I'll see you once a week. <laughs> do you want to uh, quickly just do you want to quickly go through the uh, Fantastic Beasts? Uh, they're all shit. All bottom. All bottom. I would go the first one, the second one, the third one. They get worse as they go along. Yeah, although I think Mads Mikkelsen was fine. Uh, I think Mads he was better than Johnny Depp, to be fair. If he was in it from the beginning, I wouldn't have been unhappy. But yeah, those films were just a mess. And uh, yeah. your favorite, your favorite um, superhero Flash was in it as well. So yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna. I they, yes, there was. Sorry, I shouldn't have said he. Um, they're not good films. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't, don't know. I don't think there's anyone in those movies that is particularly great either. Um, Jude Law's a weird Dumbledore. 
didn't make sense to me. It's Eddie just Redmayne's a, disappointing. They're just films that kind of break a lot of stuff down, I think. They shouldn't have been, yeah, they shouldn't have focused on, on that kind of stuff. And Have you ever seen Cursed Child? No, but um, when me and Eleanor first got together, the, the, the book was released maybe about a month later, and it was the very first present she ever bought me. Oh, okay. so I read it maybe in two days after that. So I've read it. I've never watched it. Yeah, I've never <laughs> read it again. I've never, to be fair, I've never read it. Uh, I just take it on face value. Whatever he tells me is that I probably should never read it, but I should watch the show. And I've never seen the show, but I really do want to. No, just the problem with the show is you have to buy two different tickets. Yeah, it's a bullshit. It's a bit bullshit. Um, but apparently the, the production is amazing. Like on stage, the like the on stage magic, how they do it all practically is is mind mind bending. Not just mind blowing, but mind bending. So yeah, I can imagine it's really good. It just costs a fortune. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, there we go. That was a an interesting one, which revealed some truths I don't think I want to admit, and that's that we agree on too many things. Yeah, but I think it's... I think definitely next time we need to pick something we know we're going to argue about. Yeah, I think Star Wars will be an interesting one because I don't think I don't know if we'll necessarily agree on that. Or Quentin Tarantino movie. That would be a good one. That would yeah. be a very good one. Um, but yeah, there we go. Then that was a uh, interesting Harry Potter as a franchise is fine. Um, it's it meant fine. a lot more to me as a kid than it does now, but it's still I still enjoy them if I watch them. I just I don't watch them half as much anymore. Um. Yeah. But it was it felt like something we had to do, especially before this new TV series comes out and just tarnishes all the great performances that some of these actors have done. I don't know what they're gonna do. Um but yeah, that was fun. Um thanks for watching, guys. You can what am I saying? <laughs> if you are listening on your face then your face glitched. You didn't know. Yeah, I kind of just forgot where I was. If you want if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, you can head over to our YouTube channel at the Cinematch Podcast and watch there if you'd rather watch our lovely faces and see some of the existential dread that appears in my eyes when I just get lost like I did just then and don't know where the hell I am. Um, <laughs> if you are watching on YouTube, then feel free to subscribe to the channel and like the episode, as well as heading over to those podcast channels if you've had enough of staring at our faces. Because sometimes they can be a bit too intimidating, uh, how good looking these faces are, which yeah. can cause problems. Um, if you want to find me outside of the uh, podcast, you can find my stuff on Twitter slash X. I still don't know what I'm calling that, at Callum Altimus, where I tweet mostly about football and films, but also a little bit about wrestling now that I'm still on my hype after coming back from All In. Um and I'm also on Letterboxd, where you can find me at Caltimus, where I just show everything I watch, which is, especially after this busy week, it's taken a bit of a hit. Like, I haven't watched half as much as I usually would. It's been terrible. No, I mean, though, I did watch, I'm going to give it a shout-out, because I don't think people are going to give it uh, the attention it deserves, but I watched um, Gran Turismo, the new Gran Turismo movie the other day. Solid film. Really? Absolutely solid film. Um, yeah, really good. I suggest people go watch it. Definitely. Cool. Yeah, I'm into I'm meaning to watch that eventually. So yeah. Um I'll be checking that out. But where can we find you, sir? On the old X slash Twitter at nay underscore two one four, where I pretty much don't talk about anything other than Star Wars, let's be honest. 
so if you like Star Wars, give us a follow because I have opinions. Uh, and then if you want to really disagree with my opinions, yeah, go on Letterboxd and follow me at, at Nay204. Again, all of our stuff down here. Um, but follow us at Nay204 um, for my controversial, I say controversial, but my uh, film opinions. Um, yeah. Also, if you're listening before, obviously you hopefully know we both work in cinema, but if you're listening before, uh, National Cinema Days this Saturday, September the second. Not to date this, uh, not to date this podcast, but go and support your local cinema. I'm not going to say which brand you should support. Just support every cinema. Go watch a film for three pound. Watch as many as you like. And then when you've done that, head over to Facebook, Instagram, X, and Twitter to follow us on the Cinematch Podcast to find out what we're going to be doing next. Yeah, because we've got some cool stuff lined up. Um, I don't know what we're doing next month. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got a clue either. I think you wrote it all down. You are? Didn't you make note of it all? I wrote it down on a scrap of paper, put it in my pocket, and then wash those jeans. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll have to come up with something then soon. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, thanks for listening slash watching, guys. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. And we shall see you again next week. Peace out. We didn't even mention Wingardium Leviosa. (laughs) 